Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. See, we think that this could be a one and done scenario, but what if this got instituted into, hey, I kind of like the idea of this. Nebuchadnezzar, what we know about him is he's a prideful man. You don't build a 60-foot-tall statue covered in gold after you just had a dream about a golden head on a statue that got demolished by a rock unless you got some pride issues. Scripture declares pride to be a great sin that leads to many others. It grows and it grows and it requires more sin to feed it. And today, Pastor James is going to describe the sin of Nebuchadnezzar that stemmed from his pride and arrogance. Instead of heeding the warning of God about the rock of God destroying the statue of a man from his dream, he created a gold statue in honor of himself. And then he demanded everyone to worship it. And the more power he got, the more he wanted and the greater his demands would be. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 3 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Daniel and uh, a bunch of other Jewish young men were deported from their country, Israel, to Babylon, all right? So they were taken from their nation because Nebuchadnezzar, who was going around basically conquering the known land at some point in time during this conquest that he had going on, his dad dies, he becomes king, and he besieges Jerusalem. He besieges Israel basically because they're sinners and because they don't want to listen to God. You don't want to obey God. There's consequences. Okay. That's just how it is. Um, Whether we agree with it or not, whether we like it or not, if we choose to blatantly disobey him, there is, there's a cause and effect that works within our, our faith life. And you can't just be like, well, you know, you get busted and you're like, well, I'm sorry. And he's like, well, yeah, that's good. However, 70 years, captivity, because you don't want to listen to me. And so they blatantly dis- disobeyed God. They were, worshiping other, they were worshiping other gods, just all this crazy stuff. And so the first deportation involved taking the, the brightest and the, the best looking of the young men in Israel and so they took those guys, and that's where we've met Daniel, um, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, because they were different. Even, even in the group that was taken, they were, there was just something different about them. And what we saw was that their commitment to God was on a whole nother level than anybody else's, even amongst their peer group, even amongst other Jews, because all the other Jews who went with them had no problem at all indulging themselves on the king's delicacies. So all the food that was presented to them, they're like, sacrifice to idols? Who cares? I'm away from home. I'm going to indulge. I'm going to fill myself up with this stuff. King's wine, probably sacrificed to an idol. Doesn't matter. I'm going to help myself. Daniel and his three buddies, as we call them, were like, no, I don't care if I'm, you know, hundreds of miles away from my homeland. I don't care if I'm away from my parents, whom I probably will never see again or any of my other family for that matter, 
Because even if nobody from there is here to watch me, there is one who is always watching. He sees everything. And so kind of like a Joseph in Potiphar's uh, house where he's like, how could I sin against, you know, to, uh, to Potiphar's wife? Or, yeah, he, he tells it. he's like, how can I sin against your husband? But more importantly, how can I sin against God? And he was a, another young man who found himself hundreds of miles away from his home, hundreds of miles away from family and all that accountability and everything. He's like, no, God sees all. So I'm going to stand for what's right. That's what Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, that's what these guys did. Now I'm going to switch from calling them the, their proper Hebrew names to their Babylonian names, so, but you get it, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so they did, they, with, they withheld, you know, they abstained, I'll use that word. They abstained from the king's delicacies in Daniel chapter one, and they, they said, look, give us 10 days. And if if we look sick and all that good stuff, then that's fine. We'll eat the food. We'll drink the wine. But give us 10 days. 10 days, they look better than everybody else. And they were smarter than everybody else, probably because, you know, that little vegetarian diet for a little bit, you know, Daniel's diet kind of a thing, maybe cleared out all the brain fog from their heads and did good for him. I don't know. Um, anyways, um, they, w- they abstain from that. And the king notices that they're they're far better. They're far superior than anybody else. And so they get promoted. Daniel chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And in this dream, he sees a statue and it has a golden head and it's got silver arms and a you know, chest piece basically, and then bronze. And then it goes to iron legs. And then it's got the mixture of the clay and the iron feet, right? And he sees this dream and it, it disturbs him. It wakes him up and then he can't go back to sleep. And so he calls in all his experts well, really, probably were his dad's experts. So this is a good test to see where their loyalty lies. So he brings them all in and says, I had a dream. I need you to interpret the dream. And they're like, that's easy. He's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I need you to tell me what the dream is before you interpret the dream. And they're like, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. Nobody can do that. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, being a cool-headed individual says, well, then you're all just going to die. <laughs> so he issues a, really a, an execution, an immediate execution on all these wise men, quote unquote. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all a part of that group. So they were going to die. Word gets to Daniel as the executioner shows up to their place to round them up. And Daniel says, hold on, give me some time. Tell the king, give me some time. We'll come up, we'll solve his problem, basically. Nebuchadnezzar allows him time. And so Daniel gets together with the three other guys and they pray. And God gives Daniel what the dream was and also what the interpretation was. So he goes into the presence of Nebuchadnezzar and he says, Nebuchadnezzar, here's the thing. I can't tell you what it, your dream was, and nor can any of these other bozos. None of us can, only God can. And he has told me, and he's also told me the interpretation. And here it is. He says, the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, that's you, that's Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, yeah, of course it is, right? Like, of course, the best, you know? And the silver, well, that's going to be another kingdom that rises up after you. And then the bronze, that's another kingdom that's going to rise up after you. The iron legs, it's another one that's going to follow after that one. And then the mixture of the clay and the iron, that's, that's the final kingdom. 
because there's just giant rock that's going to be coming from, from who knows where, and it's going to smash this statue. And so basically what we know of that, in, that interpretation as Daniel breaks it down for Nebuchadnezzar is this, that's human government. The human government system, I don't care what it is. If it's a dictatorship or a military ran one or you name it, or even a democracy, it doesn't matter. They're all going to come crumbling down. They're all going to get smashed to bits. That's what's going to happen. And I hope you know, we talked about this last week. We are in the feet of history, so to speak. We are stuck in between the toes of history, and our government can attest to that because that's what it feels like today. We are stuck at the feet, and the rock is on its way. The rock is on its way. This thing's going to shatter. And, and what it, it, what's amazing about that whole statue and everything is that, you know, the most precious and most, you know, really the best of all the metals and the materials was found at the head and it diminishes over time. The strength might increase until you get to the feet because those iron legs of, of, you know, basically Rome, that was pretty, that was pretty powerful. But when you start mixing iron with clay, you have a very weak substance. And what, what the enemy wants you to think is that our governmental systems are stronger now than they've ever have been. And the truth is they're weaker now than they ever have been ever happen. And they're all going to come crumbling down. So Daniel gives that to, to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's like, he's amazed by it. And he's like, man, Daniel, you're, there's no other God like your God. And you're the best and you're amazing. And I'm going to promote you. And he did. And then Daniel said, well, you need to promote my three friends too, because they were part of the prayer meeting where the interpretation happened. And so he did. So they all got promoted. And we think that, and it, it, that is good stuff, but when you're a follower of Christ and you run and work within the secular realm, when you get promoted and good things are happening for you, I can promise you this. Those who are not will not be your biggest fans. They just won't always be. Not to say that all will, but most of your opposition will come from those who like, I can't stand that person. I can't stand that Jesus person. Ugh, all they ever do is talk about Jesus and the Bible and all this stuff. And now they're getting promotions and it's just not fair and blah, blah, blah. So they start looking for ways to get you. This isn't true for everybody, but it certainly is true for our story today. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted because these guys were brilliant. They were very intelligent young men. And this story in, in Daniel chapter three could be somewhere around 10 years after the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Some guys even estimate it being like 20 years after the dream. I don't know. It's probably not the next day though. Verse one of chapter three, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It went to his head. It literally went to his head, the dream. He's like, oh man, that golden. You know what was wrong with that statue? It wasn't all gold, <laughs> right? He's like, I don't know who the Medes and the Persians are gonna be. I don't know who the Greeks are gonna be. I don't know what Rome is. The whole thing should have been Babylon. That's what it should have been, right? And so Nebuchadnezzar, whether this is 10 days later or 10 years later, it doesn't matter. He did not... He did not comprehend the interpretation of the dream. 
It, didn't, it may have hit him right here in the head for a second, but it never settled into his heart. Nebuchadnezzar, remember the big rock coming out of the sky that smashes the whole thing? I don't care if you make the statue out of gold. It's not going to stand. But Nebuchadnezzar's like, I think I need to build a statue. <laughs> no, you, that's, no, that's a wrong interpretation. The, one of the key rules in, in uh, inductive Bible study is, you know, you have many observations. There can be many applications, but generally there is only one interpretation, right? There's only, this isn't like, well, what do you think this means? What do you think this means? No, 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 no. That's, that doesn't play in inductive Bible study. In inductive Bible study, it's what does it say it means? It isn't subject to you and your truths and your emotions today and all that good stuff. No, 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 that's nonsense. When it comes to interpretation, there's one interpretation. There's many applications. And you find many observations to get to the one interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar is like, you know what I think that dream means? It means this. And Daniel would be like, dude, no, there was one interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar didn't get it. He builds an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. So it's 90 feet tall, right? Or 60 feet tall, 60 feet tall. Yeah, it's, that's the right cubits, right? Yeah, um, nine feet wide, okay? So it's really big. It's like Colossus. Colossus is one of those big statues back in the day, okay? Uh, actually, I think it's about 10 feet shorter than what Colossus was. So he builds this thing. 60 cubits tall, it's breadth six cubits. So there's an idea of this, this statue that it, it wasn't the full length. It may have been on a pedestal. Regardless, for something that high and that big, and it probably was made of wood and then covered in gold. It probably wasn't a solid gold kind of statue, um, more than likely. But it's an impressive statue. That's, that's, that's a monster. I had, when I lived in Canyon, we had a pine tree that was in our front yard, right? And this pine tree used to be somebody's Christmas tree, I think, and then they planted it in the ground. And now this thing is like, it was massive and it was perfect tree for climbing in. And I would climb it, my kids would climb it, all that good stuff. And it, it, you look up to it, and especially my, from my kids' perspective, they look up to it and it's like, it's the biggest tree in the world, Right? Now, technically, it probably was only about 25, maybe 30 feet tall. Maybe. It was a good-sized tree. This thing is like double that Christmas tree in my front yard. This is massive, massive. So he sets this up. He sets it up in the Plain of Dura, which is about 60 miles outside of the capital city. Okay? So he's going to set it up in the Plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. That itself may explain the absence of Daniel. Now, we'll get into some weird end times type stuff and where'd Daniel go? All that fun stuff. We'll go there. But I'm just saying, practically speaking, if Nebuchadnezzar built this statue out in Dura, uh, then he more than likely left Daniel to watch over the palace, so to speak, while he was gone, dedicating this thing. Now, there's some other ideas if you look at this and you're thinking like, rapture type stuff and where Daniel go and all this good stuff. Yeah. I mean, could it be a picture of the church being gone and this persecution happening to the Jews? Yeah. It could speak of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not wrong for, for like going down that road. I don't think. Okay. But I think on a practical level, Daniel may have been left at the palace while Nebuchadnezzar is 
you know, dedicating this great statue. Okay. So verse two, the King Nebuchadnezzar sent uh, to gather up the safe traps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So he's inviting all of these guys there. And some of these, the terms within there, are, they don't really know what sometimes what technically each one of these things did, but basically they're all kind of the, the leaders, so to speak, right? They function in different kind of roles and all that stuff, but basically they served underneath the king and they were either giving him some sort of wisdom or advice or performing some, some sort of duty towards the king, okay? It says the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now there's a bunch of repetition there of Nebuchadnezzar set this up, Nebuchadnezzar set this up, Nebuchadnezzar set this up. And it's key because Nebuchadnezzar was the one who had the idea and he's the one who set the thing up. It all falls onto him, all right? This was his grand idea, Okay. They're just falling in line. Boss man says, show up, we show up. Boss man says, bow down, we bow down. Okay. So verse four, the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, I didn't even see that one earlier, and <laughs> bagpipe, um, and every year it's probably, May says bagpipe or may not, but um, Every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace, which was on hand because they probably melted down the gold in this giant, fiery furnace to construct this image. So it's probably just right there. Um, So that's the... That's the rule. That's the edict. That's the mandate, technically. Here's the rule. All you people, and it wasn't just the religious leader or the, the leaders and whatever, whether they formed um, function in religious roles or not, but all the leaders, all you government officials, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that group. Not just them, but everybody else, all you people that we, that we took from other nations, that we brought into our country. Here's the deal. We're all going to circle around this statue. And when you hear the music, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship this image. That's the rule. That's how it's going to go. Okay. Um, Just so we understand, the image was more than likely not that of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Because they didn't really deify their kings, not in Babylon. Right, so he probably would have had it as like uh, Nebo or one of their other gods. Right, more than likely, it was an image of that. Doesn't matter. Basically, what they're saying is like, hey, you see that statue that's constructed probably of wood and covered with gold? Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna worship that. You're gonna worship that thing. I'm gonna worship that. Yeah, the thing that has a mouth but can't speak, the thing that has ears but can't hear, the thing that has eyes but can't see. I'm gonna worship that dumb. That, that, that dumb thing, like literally by every sense of that definition of the word, that, I'm going to worship that? Yeah, you're going to. And if you don't, you're going to die. That's how it is. There's your choice. 
There's your freedom. And this isn't a very pluralistic society. This isn't a, a society that worshiped many other gods and let you worship whatever gods basically you wanted to worship. But on this one, because Neb's having an ego trip, he wants everybody to worship this one thing. He wants everybody to worship this bow down at this one thing. Now, every other day, you're fine to worship whatever you want to worship, where, worship wherever you, wherever you want to worship, however you want to worship. But for this one thing, you will do it our way. Interesting how this all plays out. Therefore, verse 7, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people, peoples, nations, languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Complete compliance. Complete compliance. Not even a question that we know of. There, I mean, we know there's three who do, who do not comply. Only three. We don't know how many people were in the crowd, but I'm, I'm promising there, were, there probably were a lot of people in the crowd. What we don't have access to was anybody saying like, should we be doing this? Is it okay? What about the other Jews that were there? Because there were more than just three Jews that were there. We get a hint from chapter one that they probably weren't asking any questions because they indulged themselves on the king's delicacy. You got full and total compromise happening within their relationship and their walk with God, so to speak. Complete compliance. They said, play, hit play on the CD player, and we all bowed down and worshiped. No questions asked. Just do what he says. Just do what he says and it'll be done. Do what he says and it'll be over and nobody dies and we can go on about our business. Yeah, but until when? The next time? See, we think that this could be a one and done scenario, but what if this got instituted into, hey, I kind of like the idea of this. Nebuchadnezzar, what we know about him is he's a prideful man. You don't build a 60-foot-tall statue covered in gold after you just had a dream about a golden head on a statue that got demolished by a rock unless you got some pride issues. So I would assume this is totally, this is not like, you know, this is just me thinking. They do this once, and Nebuchadnezzar sees it, and nobody resists. I, I bet you anything they'd be doing it more times than just once. I bet this would become the new church practice, so to speak, in Babylon. Oh, they bowed down this one time. Let's see how many more times they'll bow down because that's what they do. It's all about control. It's flexing your muscles and all that good stuff to make sure that you know that I'm in charge. So everybody hears this music, and I will just say, grammatically, within the, the list of those instruments, there were interjected within there some Greek terms for some of these instruments which is kind of fascinating. Some people think like, well, there's no way that Daniel wrote this because of that. He, he was a very brilliant man. He's a very brilliant man. So we are in full Aramaic text because in chapter two, we switch from Hebrew to Aramaic. And then even in the midst of some of these instruments that get listed, they're like Greek terms that have been applied. So I think just, can, just absolutely shines a spotlight on the fact that Daniel was actually the author of this book. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Daniel. In it, you'll notice many interesting storylines through Daniel's life. He was exiled from his birthplace and was an alien in a foreign country for the rest of his life. What would it be like to live in a country that wasn't yours for all of your adult life? Would you wallow in self-pity because of your circumstances, or would you make the most of where God chose to use you? Daniel did the latter, making an impact in a wicked country that worshipped foreign gods. But God still used him in a mighty way. God can do the same with you today as you live your life in a country and world that you might not belong in. You may feel outnumbered and surrounded by idolatry of all sorts, but God can still use you greatly, even in this ministry. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we'd be honored if you'd pray with us for all of those who are a part of our listening audience. Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. There's much more to learn and glean from the Old Testament book of Daniel, including prophecy and faith. We hope you'll tune in again for another edition with Pastor James, as he has more to share about the life of Daniel here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.